we put up on Facebook, if you were up on there, a question for you. And uh, I believe some of you, some people have uh, checked in on it. But in the last couple of weeks, as we've been looking at this, this series on questions, questions that get God's attention. Questions are our key to understanding, but you can ask questions in doubt and unbelief as much as you can ask questions based on, based on faith and understanding. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at what is good enough for God. And especially as we're looking for getting ready for the election, sometimes we, we think God has to have a certain level. And we looked at some of the things in the Word that God was able to use. And to us, maybe that wouldn't have been good enough. But He did. Then we looked at when others are not good enough, that sometimes we look around at other people that are near us and we make judgments, we, make, um, we, we find fault, we become critical of them. We lose patience. And if we lose patience with them, we're not walking in the character of God because God has patience with us. When we walk in the, in the area of pride, we're taking on the nature of Satan. We're not taking on the nature of God. We want to operate in the nature of God, which is love, patience, kindness, all those things that the Word of God describes for us. But here today, we're going to look at a question that basically says, am I good enough? How many people have looked at that verse of Scripture that said, ask anything in my name, and I will do it? How many know that, that Scripture? How many have asked in anything in His name, but it didn't quite come about? <laughs> so what, what does it mean when Jesus teaches, ask or whatsoever you ask, or ask anything in my name. And he says it several times in, the, in this book of John, chapter 14, 15. He says it several times, so we're not misunderstanding them. Why is it that he can say, ask anything in my name, but it doesn't always seem to come about? What is it that we're not understanding? What's not, what's not happy? So we're going to go back to that section where Jesus taught here in John chapter 14, you can turn in your Bibles, you can look on your phones, you can look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. Verse 1 of John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, how many believe this verse, these verses right here? How many believe that Jesus is making a mansion for you? He didn't say a shack. He said a mansion. And notice he doesn't qualify who gets the mansion. Now, I don't know how, if some people have bigger mansions than others, but uh, how many of y'all know yeah, a couple of rooms in a house generally is pretty, is pretty good. I look at some of these things. Uh, I like those tours. Anybody ever see those tours they do? They, you can take a tour through some abandoned mansions. Just people up and left. I was just looking at one this week. It was a $5 million estate. And the husband died young. The wife stayed in there for, I think, 30 more years. And then um, it was, uh, she died. And it was uh, uh, given over to one of the relatives. And they lived in another country. They would come over and they would uh, vacation there every once in a while. But then after a bit, they stopped. And so I think for the last 10, 20 years, it's been abandoned. But it is immaculate inside. Uh, some places are a little bit more worn than others, but it's, a, it's amazing. And you look at all those rooms, and I think, what would I do with all those rooms? I don't, I don't know. But it does say in the Word, Jesus is saying to Himself, I go to make a, 
a mansion for you. He's making a place anyway. He's making some kind of a place. He's making something for you. Now we go around, we think about that. I've got a place in heaven. We're all convinced we have a place in heaven. And I'm not trying to, to jar you from that. I'm convinced of it too. But we know this verse of scripture. And we believe this verse of scripture. But he goes on. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. So Thomas, he speaks up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? If you do not know where someone is going, if someone says, oh, I'm going to go to such and such a place and you don't know where that is. Anybody ever had that happen? Somebody says, I'm going to go to this. Maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe it's a store. Maybe it's wherever. They say where it is. And you say, I don't know where that is. You don't know the way to get there unless you know the place where it is. Well, where is that place? I don't know where that place is. Thomas is this way. He is understanding what Jesus is saying through the scope of north, south, east, and west. Isn't that how most of us are thinking? We think about north, south, east, and west. I think of, you may not be thinking, I have to go north from here, but you're thinking I have to go in this direction. Now, some of us are better with highway numbers than others. Sometimes you can say, uh, go over to I-80 and pick up I-81, and, uh, and that can be Greek to other people. They have no idea what you're talking about. But people who, who understand highways that way, you can speak to them that way. Uh, John and I were sometimes running around the neighborhood. We picked up a third guy this week. He was just running them by. He was actually running the opposite way of us. We were going this way. He was going that way. He circled around and came back and said, Hey, you mind if I run with you? Sure. So he ran with us for, for a bit. And uh, John was trying to figure out where he runs. And John is naming all these roads. Forest this and meadow this and whatever it is. And, and this guy, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then after a while, he, uh, he and I were talking about it and I said, John knows these roads back here. He can just say the name of a road. And he knows exactly where that is. I sometimes think, I don't know where that, I run on it all the time, but I don't know the name of the road. If I had the number of the road, I might do better with it. But you have to know where a place is in order for us to get there, north, south, east, and west. The very uh, fact that we know that Jesus is not telling them where heaven is. And, and, and think about it this way. Where is heaven? Anybody know where heaven is? I mean, I know we're going to heaven. We know where the Father resides in heaven. But where is heaven? Or one person put it this way. If you say up, people on the other side of the world are pointing in the opposite direction. So we don't really know where it is. So when he says, you know the way to get there, he's not talking about a directional way. He's not talking about go north for a little while, go east. He's not talking about that. But that's how they heard it. Many times God wants to speak to us about truth and we're trying to hear it in a wrong way. I'm trying to hear north, south, east, and west and he's speaking something different. That's what's happening here with the disciples. Look what he says here to them. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. So you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. And they're thinking, I don't even know where you're going. How can I know how to get there? Doesn't that seem like a logical question? But you see, he's trying to get them out of understanding things from a turn right, turn left, go north, go east. He's trying to get them out from it. You've got to understand this in a different way. There are many times that God wants to get a, a biblical principle over to us something in the word over to us and we are trying to understand it with the wrong mentality and we never get there 
Now, if Jesus says you know something, if Jesus came to you, let's just say that one day Jesus appeared to you in your room and He says, you know this. And you're thinking, but I don't. If Jesus says you know it, do you know it? (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know that I know it. What if we don't feel like we know it? What if I don't feel like I know the thing that Jesus says I know? He goes on, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Christianity is very uh, exclusionary. There is only one way to get to heaven. Anybody can jump on the highway, but you've got to get on the highway of Jesus. Jesus is the way. So he says, you already know the way. I am the way. You already know that. You already know me. You know the way. I am the way. Don't be thinking left, right, north, south. Don't be thinking about all that. I am the way. You've got to come through me. You've got to go in my direction. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Yeah, but what if somebody's a really good person? Well, apparently it says right here, no one comes to the Father except through me. <coughs> well, what if they didn't hear? No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I've, I've said this for other reasons, but if you want to make an exception to that, you have to go to management. I'm in sales. You're in sales. You've got to go to management. And management says, through Jesus. So we gotta, we gotta come through that. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Boy, I'll tell you what, the more times I went through this passage, it just seems like Jesus is just trying to get them confused. He's just saying things that it almost seems like he's trying to get them confused, but the reason is, is because we are trying to understand what Jesus is saying through the wrong way. I'm trying to get there by a highway, and Jesus isn't going by the highway. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. So to know Jesus is to know the Father. And from now on you know him and have seen me, or seen him. Why have you seen him? Because you've seen Jesus. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Now here's a case. Philip is a great case where you hung on to one thing that Jesus said and lost sight of everything else. Look at what Jesus said again. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. He locks on to those last two words, seen him. I think sometimes you might be thinking, well, you know, Moses saw the father. There were three of us who were up there on that, that mountain. They, uh, they saw the transfiguration. Elijah had an experience of seeing God. And they, they probably are thinking of some other times in the word of God where... There was a, a manifestation of Jesus, a manifestation of the angel of the Lord. There was a manifestation of, of God in some form. And they're thinking, if I just saw that, if I could just see God, if I could just see the Father, that would be sufficient. That's all I would need. That's it. That's what he's saying. If you show us the Father, it will be sufficient. That's all that we would need. Catching on the one thing that he's saying there and and kind of kind of locking in on that. You've got to begin to learn supernatural things through another way beside the natural. This is what's hard for a lot of Christians. Because the only the way I have learned things 
is to learn natural things through natural means. And I reason them out. But Jesus is saying, no, we've got to go beyond that. We're talking about things that are revealed to you. We're talking about things that the Spirit of God reveals to your spirit and you come into a knowledge of it. We've taught it to you before. You receive revelation in your spirit. Your spirit teaches it to your mind. He needs to get them into this, this kind of a way. If we don't, we're going to have a difficulty learning the things that the Father wants us to learn. If I can't learn the things that God wants me to learn, I can't do the things that I need to do. If you went to school, how many all know when you went to school, you went to college, you went to university, whatever it is you went to, uh, they had first level courses, you had your first year courses, your second year courses, third year courses. They expected that by having the first year courses, you had a foundation for them to put the second year courses in. And then... Once you had the second year courses in, then you can go on to the third. There's a lot of times you would want to sign up for a class. I need this class to graduate. Anybody have that? Yeah, I need this class to graduate. It's not offered all the time. It's offered here. And I know in uh, next year, second semester, it's going to be offered. I got to be ready for it. But it says there's a prerequisite. Anybody remember those? A prerequisite. You got to have this course and this course. So I have to plan out my schedule ahead of time to make sure I get that course and this course in before I get to that course so that I am ready. Because there's a prerequisite. This is how we are set to learn. But God doesn't teach us that way. When they learned that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus said to them, flesh and blood has not revealed this to me, but my Father, or to you, but my Father in heaven. God wants to bring us to a place where He can reveal truth to us and us accept it and us understand it. And this is what He's been, He's teaching them about here. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the, the Father? You've seen me, Philip. You've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How does he expect Philip to know this? How does he expect that Philip is under... He hasn't taught them this before. But he's expecting them to know this. You see, if you walk with Jesus, there's certain things about Jesus you're going to get to know because you walk with him. He's expecting some of these things to come. He keeps telling them over and over again. I and the Father are one. I don't do anything that the Father hasn't shown me to do. I don't say anything that the Father hasn't told me to say. He's given them all this indication of, of things. So if you see me, you're seeing what the Father does. If you hear me, you're hearing what the Father speaks. Oh, can you imagine having someone so in tune with the Father that all you have to do is know them and you will know the Father? That's pretty incredible. Verse 9 again. Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? I am in the Father and the Father in me. Now that blows away our, think, our, our ability to think because if something is in, in here, then that thing can't be in it. That goes beyond our, our thinking of dimensions. If you're going to have something this small, in something this big, then this big thing can't be inside this small thing. 
But that's not how Jesus is, is teaching this to them. He's trying to get them out of the area of just understanding what you can reason out, what you can figure out, and get to the place where it can be real. Now look at this next part. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, He does the work. That's an important verse. We've got to keep that verse in mind as we're coming up to these verses that we're trying to understand. That's, that's imperative. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. That is a key verse. Let's go on. Now, the Son's identity is caught up in the Father's. Jesus' identity is caught up in the Father's. This is visible to those that are around. His words and actions are dictated by the indwelling Father. The Father indwells Him, and so His words, His actions, they're all dictated by the Father. So, because of that, His words are not His own and become those of the Father and of the Father's authority. The words that he speaks, they're not his own. They are the Father's. Because they are the Father's, they are of the Father's authority. So Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. I speak the words, but I'm not speaking on my own authority. I'm speaking the words that my Father has given me to speak. And I am so submitted to him that all you need to do is see me and hear me and you will know him. Now, I, I put this question, I think I left it in your outline. How much of your own identity do you still maintain? Jesus completely lost his identity in that of the Father. How much of our own identity do we still maintain? That's what's holding you back. If you want to do the things that Jesus did, that's what's holding you back. You still got some of your own identity. Now, Jesus is a unique person. We're not saying that. But his act, what he did, what he said... It was inspired by the Father. Father told him, go ahead and say this. Go ahead and do this. Now, if you want to answer that question, how much of your own identity do you still maintain? First off, by doing your own will. Well, I want to do, I don't want to do that. You ever been at work and the boss says, I need you to do this. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. We don't want to submit our will. I don't want to go in that direction. I don't want to do those particular things. I see those things as beneath me. I see those things as unnecessary. Whatever the reason is, I'm asserting my will over that of my boss. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. By do, I, we do our own will. This is what I want to do. Christians do this too. Well, I want to be a prophet. Well, I want to be uh, whatever it is that you want to be. You state what it is you want to be and I'm going to be that. That's your own will. I speak my own words. I speak words that are born of selfishness. I speak words that are born of pride. I speak words that are born of bitterness, unforgiveness. Have you ever said things like this? Well, I could never forgive that person for what they did. Do you speak that on your authority or on God's? See how easy it is for us to just slip into our own identity and we speak words on our own authority? Just so easy. We just slip right into it because I got bitter, because I got hurt. We get prideful. Well, you're not, I don't deserve to have that kind of treatment. We get prideful. We got to be careful of these things. 
They, they work their way in. We speak our own words. We do our own thing. We do our own thing. If you looked at the, the bulletin today, that comic's in there. I tell you, I, I pull those comics in for a reason. They're not just there to entertain you. Snoopy was having Charlie Brown trained through obedience. He already obeys. He already does the things that I want him to do. Why do I got to train him up anymore? Obedience will train you. You can either be obedient to your flesh nature or you can be obedient to the Word of God. You can be obedient to the Spirit of God or you can be obedient to your own spirit. But whatever you're going to yield obedience to, that is what you are going to be trained to. Do my own thing. I don't think God would really not want me to marry this person since they make me happy. Right? Yeah, but the Word says this. I, I know the Word says that, but I don't think God would necessarily mind me marrying this heathen person, this unsaved person, because they make me happy and God wants me happy. Right? Have you heard things like that? Well, I don't think that God will mind if I move in with this person. I know in the Word of God it says that I shouldn't do it, but I, I don't think God will mind it. Look at all the money that we save. We say we come up with, with reasons. We come up with things. And then we have our own beliefs. I speak my own words. I do my own thing. I have my own beliefs. I don't think God means I can't have an abortion just as long as it's early enough. Right? Or maybe having a baby would keep me from getting prepared to follow the plan that God has for me. Or maybe having a baby would hurt somebody close to me. So I don't know if God would rest there be in, be in that. And we rationalize these things out. I saw a, uh, a video popped up for me to, to, to watch. Um, you all heard of Stacey Abrams? And um, now she's supposed to be a Christian, but she has a view that abortion is legal, that, that, that abortion is fine with God. That's her view. She's not, for, she doesn't present herself as an unsafe person. She presents herself as a safe person. And I heard her, I don't say I heard, I heard people talk about her. I heard her defend her view on abortion and her faith in Christianity. And the words that she uses is, well, I came to grips with my view on abortion and my faith. Everything was hers. I came to grips with that. And she said the way she did it was she was in school and she ran into somebody who was a similar faith to hers and had had an abortion. And they talked about it and she found the reasons why this person had an abortion and needed to have an abortion, whatever. And through that conversation, she came to grips with the fact that, well, I can be a Christian, I can believe the Word of God, and still believe that killing the babies is okay. Now, I don't say those things to bring anybody into condemnation who maybe had an abortion, didn't know, whatever it might be. Uh, God will forgive give us for just <laughs> all kinds of things. That's but don't have the opinion that this is God. Don't put on God things that are not God's. That's wrong. I may have slipped up. I may have messed up. I may have done something that God didn't want me to do. And then I repent and say, God, I know this wasn't you. I know you didn't want me to do this. I did it. I ask for your forgiveness. That's different than saying God agrees with this viewpoint. And that's what Stacy was going around doing. And so she said this thing. There was a prominent pastor 
brought her, her hat, which they didn't bring her into church. She came into the church and he made the comment about her that, uh, well, you know, she's running for office. So uh, do what you need to do or maybe you've already done it. Something along those lines. Dear Lord, I heard that a couple weeks. I was, I was stunned. Folks, you cannot have a view that is different from God's. If you do, you are having your own authority and that's why this chapter is not working for you. You've got to speak words that are based on His authority. I don't have any choice. If I want to walk in what Jesus walked, then I have to walk how Jesus walked. I want to walk in the ways that Jesus moved mountains. Jesus cursed fig trees. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus did many of these things. Now, some of them He did through the gifts that were put upon Him. Some of those same gifts are poured out into the church today, but they were on, on Jesus without measure. To us, they're on us with measure. But whatever it might be, I can't do the things that Jesus did and have my own authority. i got to submit to the authority of God. And this is the thing that we need to know. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He gives you two things here. First off, believe me that I am in the Father. Believe me, because I'm here, I'm telling you, I'm in the Father. You can believe that, or if you don't want to just believe me because I said it, then believe me for the works themselves. Look at the works that's being done. People are being set free. People are being taught differently than they've been taught before. People are understanding things they hadn't understood before. Leprosy is being cleansed. Look at the works that are being done. The dead have been raised. Look at the works being done. If you're not going to just believe me that I am of the Father because I say I am of the Father, then fine, believe the testimony of the works. This is a lower level. But he says at least believe that. Go one way or go the other. Believe me on the higher level, the first one, or at least on the lower one. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So if Jesus cast out devils, if Jesus healed the sick, if Jesus opened the blind eyes, if Jesus raised up the lame, if Jesus did these things, he is the one who is saying that we will do the same things. In fact, he says you'll do greater works because I go to my father. Because he goes to the Father. He's one person down here on the earth doing things where the one person is. But he's going to go to the Father. The Spirit's going to come take his place. The Spirit can be in all kinds of places. He can be in you. He can be in you. He can be in you. And you be all over. All over the world, the Spirit can be in filling. And greater works can go on because we're not just having this happen through one Jesus. We're having this happen through smaller Jesus all over the place. If we'll, if we'll do it. If we'll believe it. And this is what he says here. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. He who believes in me. Now, hold on for just a minute. Let's just show a hand. You can use your outside hands. How many believe in Jesus? All right. Now, I'm not going to ask you this question, but you can answer it yourself. Do we see the works of Jesus going on inside? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. The works that I do, he will do also. What's the qualification of doing the works that Jesus did? Believe in him. Now, we've said we've done that, right? I believe in Jesus. 
And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Now this is the kind of belief in him that Jesus calls for. This is what you need to have. Without doing the first part of the belief, the second part of the doing the works of Jesus won't happen. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And the, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything. So whatever and anything. Isn't this pretty all-encompassing? And yet we have asked whatevers. We have asked anythings that have not occurred. But Jesus is teaching his disciples here and us. You can do it. This anything in my name, you're going to see this repeated in chapter 15, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 23, 24, and 26. That's a lot of times to mention the same thing. So what is the whatever? So if some of our anythings didn't quite come about, something had to go wrong. We've got to figure out what that thing is. We have to do what Jesus taught before verses in, the, in verses 9 and 10. In John 15, 7, he goes on and he says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Didn't he talk about how he abode, he abode in the Father and the Father in him? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Now, he didn't just say, ask whatever. He didn't just say, ask anything. He said, you will ask what you desire. How many have some things that you desire but have been afraid to ask God for? Well, I don't know how that might be a little selfish. I don't know that I necessarily need that. Ask whatever you desire. But see, there's a qualification on it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, I would say that it would seem we have not quite understood what it is to abide in him and for his word to abide in us. We, would not, we have not quite done the first things in chapter 14, we're just kind of jumping into the middle of the chapter. Let's do this. You can't just jump in the middle without doing the stuff that goes on before. We love to do the asking, but the abiding can be problematic. That abiding stuff. Hebrews 1 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, we can use our outside hands on this again. How many love Jesus? All right. Now, keep that in mind. You all raise your hand. We love Jesus. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's pretty simple. If you had, if you had a husband and wife relationship, you guys are married, and you found out that uh, the husband, the wife, was going out on dates other times. How many husbands and wives that found that out would be happy? Uh, no. Well, it was just one time. We still wouldn't be happy, would we? Now notice this. If you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, confess that you love me. He didn't say, if you love me, show up at church. He said, if you love me, do service for me, for me in my kingdom. He didn't say, if you love me, give offerings. He didn't say, if you love me, no scripture. He didn't say, if you love me, do great acts of faith. 
What did he say? If you love me, keep my commands. Now we got a whole lot of people they want to go around in the, in the church today and they want to confess, Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. We sing the songs. Oh, how I love Jesus. Right? We sing the songs. Or we show up at church. Why do you show up at church? Because I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Why do you work so hard for the kingdom of God? Because I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Why do you give offerings to the church? Why do you give offerings to God? Because I love Jesus. I love Jesus. How is it that you learn so much scripture? Because I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. I just love his word. I just love Jesus. We've been sold on something that is not demonstrating the love of Jesus. And we sell out to it. But this is what he said. This is Jesus' words. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now there's a whole lot more of this teaching. We're going to, we're digging into it here. Verse um, 16. Now we have to get to know him. You've got to get to know Jesus. When we do, we will know and understand his commandments. Now outside of knowing Jesus, you can't really understand his commandments. You can understand what the word said, but you don't understand his commandments. Then you get those, you know, those, those stupid media people and politicians who go up there and try and quote the word. Well, you know, the word says, don't judge lest ye be judged. You have absolutely no idea what that verse means, but you're going to quote it to mean whatever you need it to mean at the time. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's going to give you another helper. I was a helper here. But he's going to give you another helper and he will abide with you forever. Jesus is saying, I've been here for a little while, but I'm going. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. It is the spirit of truth. There is a whole lot of people in the body of Christ, outside of the body of Christ, in the news media, in the religious circles, that are declaring things about God, but they do not know Him. They are not of the Spirit of truth. If people in the church are speaking things that are not of the Spirit of truth, what spirit are they of? And here's the kicker. They don't know it. They think, they think, I'm of the Spirit of God. Now, I spent a little bit of time trying to figure that out. How is it that Christian people who say they love Jesus, who say they love God, who spend time studying His Word, think they know God, but yet are being inspired by something other than the Spirit of truth? Anybody want to answer that question too? I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. I, I remember before counting up the Scriptures. Do you know the Holy Spirit is referred to more often as the Spirit of truth than anything else? But we always looked at other aspects of His, the Spirit of power, Spirit of all these things. But He's referred to as the Spirit of truth. He is the bringer of truth. He is the one who will bring you truth. That is His number one job. And we need it. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive. 
if I put myself in a place where I cannot receive the spirit of truth, what, what uh, group have I put myself with? The world. But I think I'm in the church. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now look, I'm not trying to shake you all to your very foundation and think, well, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. No, that's not the purpose here at all. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He says, I'm leaving, but I am coming back. I'm not going to be one of those uh, folks who leaves, never comes back to leave you orphans. No, that's not me. I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. In the meantime, I'm leaving you the Spirit. Verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. Jesus was the first one raised to that resurrected body. And He's going to raise us into those resurrected bodies too. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. Right now, the world can see Him because He's physically there. But He's going to be taken out. But he says, you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the, my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So we're saying this again. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. You can look at anything else, but this is it. Do you have the commandments of God and do you keep them? That shows you that you love Him. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. Now, is there any room in here for Christians who haven't quite gotten to the place of 100% obedience to the commandments of God? I think there is, but we'll have to get into this a bit more. Now, Judas speaks this. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? We're trying to understand north, south, east, and west, right, left, but he's teaching them spiritual truths. He's teaching them this. I am going to be in you, so you will see me. But I'm not in the world, so the world won't see me. But you will see me. Because the spirit of truth will be in you. And he will bear witness of me. He will bear witness of the Father. So you will have us in you. And you will know the Son. You will know the Father. Because of this indwelling spirit. The world won't. Because the world refuses to receive that. So they won't know. But you will know. Let's go on. We've got to get to the kicker here. How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Isn't that a great question? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. How many times has he said this now? That's three times. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine. He who does not love me 
does not keep my words. Now, this is the fourth time he said it. just said it opposite. Instead of, if you love me, you keep my words. If you don't love me, you don't keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine. If I live a life in which I am not walking in the commands, and I'm not obedient to the commands of God, I am walking in a way as to not know Him and not receive the words He is speaking. If you have ever wondered, how can so many Christians have so many different voices and say so many things? Well, God believes that abortion is right. Well, God believes that a boy can turn into a girl. Well, God can make a mistake and, and make the boy a girl. They teach this. They'll speak these things. They accept this sort of stuff because they have listened to something that is not truth because they are not obeying the things of God. They're not doing the things of God. Therefore, something else has come along and has stood in the place of God, whispered something to them, and they received it as light. They received it as truth. Now, if you walk with God and somebody speaks something like that in your spirit, not your mind, your mind may not know that it's truth or false, but in your spirit will come up false or come up, no, that's not right. That, that's, that's not right. I, I, I think about it this way. Have you ever been to an intersection? And there's a, there's a car making a left. There's a car going straight. All these kind of decisions, all these things going on. And um, I, I, maybe you can think back to your days when you used to study the, the book. You know, there's a book on how to drive. I know a lot of people don't read that book anymore. But there's a, there's, a, there's a book that teaches people how to drive. It's the same book that says, tells you, do not cross lanes in the middle of an intersection. How many know there's a whole lot of folks who never read that? They don't, they cross, I, every time I see it, it just drives me, <clears throat> not in the intersection. I know that, it's been, in, it was drilled into me. But, when you come to an intersection, there is a, a uh, written out, form in the law that tells you who has the right of way. But usually when I am sitting there at the intersection, it just kind of comes up on the inside. You tell me if you're that way too. It just kind of comes up on the inside of me. I don't have the right of way here. They do. And I sit and I wait for them to make the left-hand turn, whatever it might be. And other times I, I get to the spot, oh, wait a minute, I have the right way here. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I go. Have you ever had that come up on the inside? Could you have got the laws of the road down so well you don't need to study the written law because it just kind of comes up on the inside of you? This one has the right of way. Now, if you if you go back, you can look it up, and it is listed out. And if you want to read it, you can figure it out. But it whole, it's a whole lot better when you get to the intersection and you just know they have the right of that left hand turn has the right of way over my left hand turn. And you just yield to them and let them, let them do it. This is the way we're supposed to walk as Christians. It's supposed to come up on the inside of us. It's supposed That truth is supposed to come up because the spirit of truth is in us. And when we hear somebody speak something, that spirit of truth will say, Wrong! That is wrong. I may not know why, but I know it's wrong. And so immediately I don't receive what it is that, that they're teaching. I was listening to a, to a, a person this week. You know, I'm, I'm trying to branch out and listen to some other people so that I have some different ones to bring in for you. And so I heard this guy's name. Oh, yeah, I remember him. He was, he was a graduate Remy. He's actually a graduate Remy before me. 
And so I was listening to one. I, I made them. I don't know why I do this. You would think I have learned enough not to do this. But I downloaded this one to listen to him on a run. When I'm on a run, I can't change things, you know, as quickly as I can. So I downloaded, I listened to him. And he made this statement. I'm not going to tell you what it is. He made this statement. I said, oh, not you too. All right, I'm, just, I'm going to just stay with it. We're going to, we're going to keep on. I can't believe that he bought into this, this thing too. So I'm listening to it. Says it again. Ah, oh, that's two times. I don't really have anything else to, to uh, switch to that I wanted to listen to. So I kept on going. Third time he spoke it. Third time. The third time he put it in. This is one of your spiritual weapons. I said, where did Paul list that as a spiritual weapon? He didn't. And I'm thinking, how does that not come up on the inside of you? That that is wrong. Don't add things to the spiritual weapons. Paul gave us really seven, six that he lists, and then the seventh one he tacks on at the end prayer. Seven things that are our spiritual weapons. I don't need to add an eighth. I don't need to add a ninth. Those things are sufficient to do it. But it should come up on the inside of you. No, 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 that's not right. I mean, I've sometimes been studying the Word and a thought will come. Do you think that maybe this is true? And down in my spirit, false Oh, that's the wrong spirit. All right, we're not going to pursue that. <laughs> yeah, this is what your spirit is supposed to do. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to alert you to truth when it's there. He's going to alert you to falsehoods when it's there. Where do we leave off at? Verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I put this in your outline for you. When we don't keep his word, when we don't keep his word, we all can think of times when we didn't, right? I want you to right now think about a time, maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe it was last week. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it was, I want you to think of a time when you did not keep His Word and you went against it. When we don't keep His Word, we love something else more. Or instead. If I don't keep His Word, the reason I don't keep His Word is because I loved something else more. Jeroboam did not keep the Word that was spoken to him because he loved something else more. He went after that other thing. Judas became the betrayer. Why? It's not that he didn't love God. It's not that he didn't love Jesus. He loved something else more. And over time, that love for funds, uh, love for money grew and grew in him and he eventually sold out his friendship for money. There's some other things he may have been trying to accomplish on that, but he did sell them out for money. We don't, when we don't keep his word, we love something else more or instead. To Jesus, it seems that to love something more is to not love him. Doesn't it seem that way to you? To love something more or in place of is to not love him. If we don't truly love him the way he says to, then who has made their home in us? If I don't truly love him the way he says to, then who has made their home in us? Jesus says, let's read that over again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and will, we will come to him and make our home with him. 
you could say her too. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. If we truly love Him the way He says to, if we truly, I'm sorry, if we don't truly love Him, if I do not love Him the way He says to, which is to keep His commandments, if I don't do it, who has made their home in me? You can think about loving Him all you want to. You can talk about loving Him all you want to, but the proof is in will you keep His Word? Let me ask you this. What is the thing that the Lord always said about King David? He's a man after my own heart. Doesn't He also say about him, He did, He held to my Word all the days of His life? Well, one place it says, except for the incident of Bathsheba and Uriah, it makes that little exemption there. But um, now you know that David wasn't perfect, that David missed it, but that still didn't stop the writer from saying this, from God saying this about him. He, he did what I asked him to do. And every king after that, he, the Lord would come up, if you will do as my servant did, or servant David did, if you'll do as he did and follow my commands, all the days of your life, as my servant David did, then I will make, I will do for you. These are the things that he spoke. This is not just the John 14, John 15 teaching. Verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance all things that I said to you. He will teach you all things. If, the Spirit of truth, if the Spirit of God comes in and makes His home in you and teaches you things, does that not also mean that you will then have the capacity to obey in areas that you didn't know to obey in? So He is not demanding perfect obedience. He is asking you to do what you know to do. I know the Bible teaches this. I know the Word says this. And as you go along, the Holy Spirit's going to make His home in you and He's going to teach you some more things. And I can come into obedience to those more things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Now there we have that, if you love me again. What has he said the last couple of times? He said, if you love me, you will Keep my commands. Keep my, my word. If you love me, this is what you do. He says here, if you love me, you rejoice. Why are you going to rejoice? How does that jive with what he just said? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I, want, what I ask you to do. If you don't love me, you won't do it. But if you love me, you'll go along. Why does he now say, if you love me, you'll rejoice because I'm leaving? Because he just told you. The spirit of truth will come on the inside and the spirit of truth will reveal to you all the things about His will that you don't know yet. 
And the more I can get my obedience in compliance with what he wants me to do, the more unity we walk in. So I can, get, I can rejoice. Glory to God. I am walking at the level I am at now because this is how much I know of God. But the Holy Spirit is coming into me. The Spirit of truth. He's going to raise my understanding of God. When He raises my understanding of God, I'm going to know Him more. I'm going to know the Father more. I'm going to see Him more. I'm going to walk in this more. And we can get excited. Because I understand when the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to share things with me. I get in line with that. I get in obedience with it. And I demonstrate. I love Him. Because there is nothing in this world that means more to me. Because no matter what His Word commands me, thou shalt not covet. Yeah, but I really want one of those. And they have one. And I want theirs. No. No, no. We, we move away from that. I don't have to go in that direction. Where do we leave off at? Verse 29. And now I have told you before it comes... That when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me command, commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. What he says here, he is demonstrating this. His love for God is so great that abiding presence of the Father in him he, he loves that presence. He desires that presence in him. I put it, I think I left this in there for you. Jesus demonstrates his love for God and his abiding presence in him by doing the most difficult thing asked of him in full demonstration to the world while they mocked, spat, and rejected Jesus. While they did all that, he walked in obedience because God said, this is what I need done. We know in the garden... He would rather do it another way. We know, not my will, but your will be done. Remember that. I mean, he had another will, another way to, to go about this. But he did it because he is demonstrating to the world. I didn't do what I wanted. I did what he wanted because he is in me and I and in him. So if you look at me, you're seeing the Father. Eve, the Word of God says that he was obedient, even obedient to the death of the cross. There's your example. That is the hardest thing anybody has ever been asked of. And Jesus did it because of his love for the Father. And the Father loved the Son. The way that you demonstrate your love for God and the way that you cause it to grow is to walk in obedience to his word. So how do we do that? Now, first off, if you, get, if you come to a place where you have an acceptance of a lesser understanding... You accept something less on the Word of God. Somebody teaches you something in the Bible, but it didn't actually say that. They just kind of came up with that on their own. They listened to another voice that gave them inspiration on that because they're not in obedience to the Word of God themselves. So they listened to another voice and they accepted that truth as being the spirit of truth and they taught it to you. Like those uh, nutcase ministers that are out there saying, well, God just needed that baby more than you did, so he took him. That's wrong. Like those other ones out there that are saying, well, God just made a mistake and probably He meant to create you a girl, but you ended up being born a boy. That's wrong. Well, God's not going to... I mean, it's okay. It's your body. So if you need to abort that baby, then you just go right on the head. We're, we're walking away. 
in the Word of God, how many know in the Old Testament, Israel was judged because of the way they treated babies. There was other things too, but God kept coming back to that. I can't believe that you will. I, in my wildest dreams, I didn't think that you would ever follow after these ones that would burn their babies, but you did it. Oh, he was so mad at that. God hasn't changed. There's a whole lot of people out there. They say they love God, but they've got something in them that is not the spirit of truth. You don't have to be afraid of it. Just relax. The spirit of truth on the inside of you bears witness. That's truth. Yeah, I, I, I kind of sense it, but I have no idea what that is. That's all right. We'll bring you into it. And the Spirit of God will bring you into that truth. But you recognize it. Yep, yep, that's truth. I can see that. But acceptance of a lesser understanding will keep us from what we were supposed to understand and from being equipped to know and do what Jesus expected. Just like the example we've used oftentimes. People accepted the idea that the earth was flat for how long? And that kept them from understanding some of the things. They accepted for a long time that the universe revolved around the earth. And that kept them from understanding some things. But God wants to bring us into truth. He wants to bring us into light. He wants to open up these doors for us. And He can do it. But don't accept a lesser understanding. Well, I don't know exactly what this means. It might mean this. Don't accept it. If you want to live the life of one who abides in Him, if you want to live the life of one who abides in Him, one who loves God by divine standards, then you can do this one area at a time. You can do this one area at a time. Don't get overwhelmed. God is not the type who overwhelms you. If you have been overwhelmed by all the things in your life that you're missing it on. Well, I'm missing it over here. And I'm missing it over here. And I know over here I need to get this part in line too. And then there's this part over here. I just don't think I can do it. I just don't think I can do it. You ever looked at, uh, I don't watch the shows, but I, I've heard about them. Anybody watch the shows of the hoarders? I don't know if that's the name of the show or they just, there's a show about. They go into people's homes that are hoarders and they, they, um, they just hoard things. And, you know, they have a little bit of a pathway, a little bit of an aisle to get through, but that's about it. They got stacks of newspapers from 20 years ago. They got magazines. They got all, they got garbage from, from the fast food place because they can't throw anything out. They're hoarders. They just, they just pull all this stuff in. And if you want to get somebody out of that mentality, if you want to get somebody out that's in that bed, or maybe they're just, they're not quite that bad, they're just overwhelmed. They've got laundry piled up. Laundry piled up. How many have ever been in a place where you had laundry piled up? You have like 10 loads of laundry to do. That can be overwhelming. And we look at that pile and we say, there's no way I can do that today. And we walk away from it. And then a couple days later, it's 11 loads. It's even more overwhelming. I can't do it. can't do it. I just gotta, I just gotta get away from this. Maybe we leave the house. But you see, somebody comes along and says, look, just take on one load. Or, just, just, just do one load today. Just do one load today. That's it. Do one load. Walk away. But do the whole thing. Wash it, dry it, fold it, put it away. Do the whole thing. Tomorrow, tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow we'll do another load. 
And all of a sudden, you start to see the pile go down. And now you're getting excited. And after three or four days of just doing one load, now you think, oh, I can do this. And you take on two loads. And it's going down even smaller. Now you're getting even more excited. You take on three loads. I can do this. But you see, you got empowered. This is the same way that God does. God empowers you. He doesn't overwhelm you. If you are getting enlightened about your life and all the things that you're missing it on, that's not God. That's the enemy trying to overwhelm you. God does not overwhelm. God brings light. God brings instruction. God brings you to a place where you can change. And so he's just going to say, look, take on this area of your life. See this area over here? Let's clean this one up. Let's apply what you know about my word to this area. And you apply it to that area and all of a sudden things are getting better. Oh. Oh, I feel... Oh, I feel empowered now. And then you begin to take on another area. And another area. And another. Pretty soon you have your life under control. Under the control of the Holy Spirit. God does not overwhelm you. God does not say, look, until you get everything fixed up, until you get everything under control, I'm not dealing with you. God says, let's take on one. And this is a good one. Take on this one. This one you can do. And we take on that one and we focus on that one area. Maybe it's the words that come out of my mouth. Maybe some of them, uh, maybe I tell dirty jokes. Maybe I say foul language. Maybe I just am critical in my words of other people. Whatever it might be, God starts dealing with me on that and I begin to hit each one. And then after a while, he, he begins, all right, I, you're, you're doing great on this. Now you see, when you speak things like this, you're speaking things against the... Ah, oh, I didn't see that before. Now I understand. This is what he commands me to do. And I get my behavior lined up with it. And you just take on one area at a time. And then pretty soon you're pretty excited and say, God, I think we got... I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect in this area just yet, but I got this... What's, what's another area? What else can I do? And you're looking to bring another area under control of the Spirit. Because... Before, you didn't realize this. I love God, but I have other things in my life that I love more. <coughs> I love God, but I love going out and doing these things. And I'm afraid that if I fully follow after God, I won't be able to do these things anymore. I love God. really love God. God's a big part of my life, but I also love these things. But after a while, we start doing what God says. We start, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do my word. Obey my word. And as I begin to do that, I find my love for God is greater. And I build up that love for Him. And pretty soon, the love that I had for these other things, that I kept thinking, I can't give that up. I love that too much. I now understand, I don't love it as much as I thought. Because I've taken the love of God in me, I have elevated it. And I've raised it up. How did I do that? By obeying the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. This is, a, this is a, uh, something that will come about. If you will do this, if you will follow this pattern that Jesus is telling you, if you will do what He commands you to do, you learn in the Word, all right, we're going to put that to work. We're going to put that to work. And, you, and you're just putting it right to work. Pretty soon, you're going to get yourself to the place 
where the things that you already know, you already got, you, you, you were operating them. You're doing them. The Spirit of God speaks something else to you. Oh, look at that. Immediately, I bring myself in line with it. Immediately, I do it. The more I get into that place where I immediately obey, my spirit is more, more tuned in to the Spirit of God than it ever has been. And God can now speak things to me that I couldn't hear before because I wasn't tuned in enough. Wasn't close enough to Him. Have you ever, how many people drive out and you got your radio station, old-fashioned radio station, AM, FM? Old-fashioned AM, FM radio station. That's what you have in your car. And you put on the FM station and you're driving and you're driving and you're driving and then pretty soon that signal is real, real good but all of a sudden it starts to fade away and then it gets real staticky and, and you're barely hearing anything from it and pretty soon it's unlistenable to. Why? Because you drifted away. The signal is still strong but you drifted away. The more that you will do this to follow this pattern that Jesus is teaching in this, in this passage, the closer you get to God. And you can pick up on things that the Spirit of God will be saying to you that you couldn't even hear before. And if He can speak things to you about your level of obedience, Steve, fix this, you can do this, change this, obey here, look at this thing. If He can show, oh, I didn't realize that me doing that was going against what you wanted me to do. And I immediately bring myself into compliance to it. I am showing myself, I love you more than anything else. The Word of God constantly brings us that Jesus demonstrated His own love toward us, His own love towards the Father in the single act of going to the cross because that is the greatest thing that was put upon Him. That was the greatest act of obedience that was there. It demonstrated His love for us. It demonstrated His love for the Father. You will eventually get to the place where you can do this. Abraham. God wanted to make him a great nation. God wanted to make to bless all people through him. But he wasn't ready to listen in the beginning. You all know when he was first told, get out of your country, leave your relatives, he brought half of them with him. But eventually he got to the place where when, when God spoke to him and said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. He obeys immediately. Gets up early in the morning, saddles the donkey, gets the wood, has the son, Heads on out to the mountain that God said. God ties him up. It's all ready. Ready to take the knife and kill the son. And the Spirit of God stops. No, no, no. I just need to see that you're willing to do it. That you heard me. That you're willing to obey. So that showed him, I love you more than anything. Now I can work through that. In order for God to bless humanity through Abraham, Abraham had to come to a place of complete obedience. When you get yourself to a place of the obedience that, that Jesus is talking about in chapter 14, then you can say, whatever, and it will be done. Because you see, you have graduated from the place of selfish desires, and you are so focused on the things of the kingdom, just like Jesus was. Jesus was so focused on the things of the kingdom that he would not say anything that the Father did not say. He would not do anything that the Father did not show him to do. That's how sold out he was. When we get that sold out, we can say whatever. Because for up until then, when we speak our whatevers, there's a bit of a selfish thing to it. There's a thing that we can be missing the kingdom of God. We cannot be hearing the spirit of truth. 
Remember in John 15, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. I got to get to that place of abiding. I got to get to that place. And the way that you do it is through obedience because the more, this is key, they got to get this one. The more I obey his word, the more I take on his nature. The more I take on his nature, the more it is, the easier it is for me to see a contrasting nature. A contrasting nature we talked about last week with the material and the wine. I can sense that contrasting nature. This week, you are going to be given opportunities to become impatient with children, impatient with adults, impatient with co-workers, impatient with customer service people. You are going to be given the opportunity to become impatient with people of all sorts of things coming to you and interacting with you. If you choose to go the way of impatience, you are reinforcing the wrong nature on the inside of you. And you're pushing away the nature of God. And it's, having a, you're, it's going to even you a hard time to hear the voice of God over all the other voices that are coming. But if you choose to say, you know what? I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to speak something selfish. I'm not going to say something that's going to be hurtful to the people that are here. Nope. I'm going to let the Spirit of God dominate. God, what would you have me say in this situation? What would you have me speak? And if God doesn't give you anything to speak, guess what? Shut your mouth. <laughs> just, pay, just hush. Just be quiet. Why aren't you speaking? Why aren't you saying anything? God hasn't told me to say anything yet. That's how Jesus would respond to it. See, the more that you can walk in that nature that Jesus demonstrated, the more you can walk in that way, the more God is able to make His home in you. The more you will know Him. The more you will see Him. The more you will understand Him. The devil knows. If I can get you to a place of acting impatient, if I can get you to a place of acting selfish, if I can get you to a place where your pride rises up and you respond to your pride... And you name any of the other things of the flesh that you want to name. If he can get you to that place where these things come up, he is taking you in a contrary nature and the things that you were going to think come from the Spirit of God, come from him. Come from his kingdom. And you can't tell the difference. And he knows, not only do I have you because you did these acts of sinfulness, these acts against the things of God, but you also have not changed your nature. And you can't recognize my voice from the voice of the Father. There's a double win for him. Don't let him get it. You should get yourself to the place so much that when you speak words that are selfish, when you speak words that are prideful, when you speak words that are impatient, in your spirit, it just there's a bitter taste right there in your spirit. Oh, it just come. Why did I say that? And when that happens, immediately repent. Don't repent on the inside. Say it outside. I'm sorry. I said something I shouldn't have. Don't give in to that nature. Don't give in to that wrong nature. If you will do this, even just, just this week, you commit to it. I'm going to commit whatever area you're picking. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to let the Spirit of God lead me. If you will do that, you will be much stronger by the end of the week than you were when you started. And then you'll be ready. I'm ready for the next week. I'm ready for the next week. 
God wants to change your nature, not just your actions. Because if He can change your nature, then the words that you speak are words of Him. And He can say, whatever you say, it'll be done. I'll do it. Whatever you say. Anything that you say, I'll do it. Because this is what's inside you. Now this week, I'll bet you even today, today you're going to have an opportunity to get frustrated and to speak words out of frustration. You're going to have an opportunity to be selfish and speak words out of selfishness. You're going to have an opportunity to get impatient and speak words out of impatience. And all you do is reinforce the wrong nature on the inside. Don't do it. Stop it. Put a stop to it. Listen to the Spirit of God. Wait for Him to speak something to you. If He doesn't, or if you're just not hearing it yet, then shut your mouth. Be quiet. Just let the joy of the Lord rule you. Keep on going on. Yeah, i got to say something. Not till you hear from the God, you don't. Wait till you hear. That'll come up on the inside of you. Because this is, this is one of the reasons why we do that. Sometimes we say you were in school. Maybe you can think of a time you were doing this. You were in school. You were a student. And you had a serious question about something. And you stepped out to ask and the teacher smashed you. The teacher embarrassed you. The teacher spoke words that were harsh to you. And they crushed you. Some of you may even be able to remember some of those experiences. But boy, can you also remember those ones where the teacher took time? Steve, what's going on? What's happening with you here? Talk to me. And you talk to them. You can still remember those experiences because they lifted you up. They helped you. This is what God wants to use you in. But are you going to be used for the kingdom of darkness? Or are you going to be used for the kingdom of light? Are you going to do His, his will? Or are you going to do someone else's? The choice is yours. Or just stand up with me. Glory to God. Father, you have inspired us to move into a level with you that not all Christians will go in. That Jesus taught us things here in this chapter and even the ones that are to come of a higher level of operation. Higher level to receive. And we want to receive those things. So we're going to see in our life that every, every time I walk in unforgiveness, every time I walk in bitterness, every time I let offense take root, every time I resist the Spirit of God and the things that He's saying to me, I am conforming to a nature that I say I don't want to be. But you can help us, Father, and you will. To follow after the the new nature the nature of light not the nature of darkness we have to let go of some of those things that we were taught about your word taught about our God that just weren't truth they're holding us back but you'll, re- you'll reveal them to us and I thank you that this week every person here you've given us an area in which we can work on this whether it be patience, selfishness, forgiveness, bitterness, whatever it might be. 
we have an area that we can work on. We can listen to the voice of the Spirit of God as He guides us and directs us. Because we want our nature to be the nature of God. We want you to be at home in us. We want your words to abide in us and us to abide in your words. For then our conversation, our words, will change things. Give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week as you go out and you take on the assignment of some area in your life that God is going to is dealing with you on. And you get some victories. Don't forget in the praise reports. Put them in there. You, get, you don't have to give all the specifics you don't want to. You think some of them might be embarrassing? Then you don't have to give all the... But just put some... Boy, I was applying this and, and God was helping me this. And just say some of the things that were going on. Some of the things that changed in your life. Because your testimony, your praise report will help other people. But God will change it. He'll take your very nature and get rid of all the wrong nature things that are coming out of you. Most people think that to be a patient Christian means you suppress all those things that are inside of you. When you walk in the things of God, you don't have to suppress a thing. It just doesn't come up. Right now, so many Christians were fighting a wrong nature on the inside of us. God doesn't want you fighting the wrong nature. He wants you to change it. And I'll show you how to do it. Take on that assignment this week. Don't let it go. Tomorrow on our Monday video teaching, you'll see it come up. If you don't know on Facebook.